Romans chapter 5 says some things that, uh, at, now I want you to stay with me because it's going to be a little difficult in the beginning. So I need, I need you to hang in there with me and not get all upset. In uh, chapter 5 of Romans, verse number 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Verse 17, just the first part of that verse says, For if by one man's offense, now that word also can mean trespass, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about Adam's trespass. Something I want you to remember and understand. A trespass is a breaking of a covenant. Okay? It's a breaking of a law. Laws are covenants. And so when God told Adam, you can eat from anything in this garden, just don't eat from that tree. Stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm telling you what, he's liable to change the message right here, just, just in that. Because I want to tell you what, the entire church, has camped out and lived at the base of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and have continually neglected the tree of life. And we here are going to move away from the tree trunk of knowledge of good and evil and we're going to move into the tree of life. We, that's our next step. We're going to live in the tree of life from this day on. We're going to camp out, live there, dwell there, have the glory of God and move in Him. Anyway, I'll get back to my message. Verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense or trespass, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, Jesus, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. There's that word life. We are going to move and are moving into life. You see, because by the trespass, sin entered. But by the fulfillment, sin was done away with. Death was defeated and Jesus brought us into newness of life. Now, Genesis 3 makes a statement that doesn't make anybody happy, but it is what it is. In verse 17, then to Adam, he said, this is after Adam messed up, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Now, I want you to see something, because if you go back over here, when God finished his work in chapter 1, then he goes into chapter 2, and the word says, and he blessed all of his creation. He pronounced a blessing on the entire planet that would be a prosperous, life-giving, regenerative move of him throughout all time, eternity, and to be redundant, eternity without end. 
So he blessed it. Now here, Adam sinned because he gave Adam rule in the garden. He allowed Adam access into his understanding of naming the animals. He went through all of that. They had a great time. And then Adam messed up, and here's what happened then. Cursed is the ground for your sake. So Adam, now I want you to see the load that Adam took on because he messed up so royally in transgressing against God. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now, when we go now into the answer to these things, I want you to see some things that, that I think are absolutely tremendous. But we start in Romans 8 and verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The sufferings of this present time. Now, of course, Paul was talking some 2,000 years ago. But it's still true today. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Now, that him means God. God subjected all of creation to a level of futility because of Adam's transgression. Now I want you to see some things that I think will help you. The word futility can also mean vanity. It means emptiness, depravity, and profitless. So he's telling Adam that since you chose to walk outside of my precepts, outside of my grace, outside of my blessing, this is what you're going to live under. And not only you, but all of creation is going to live in futility for a time. That's a tough load, but that's what Adam took hold of. But then we have something much, much, much more wonderful. In Matthew chapter 8, We find the story, I'm, I'm not going to go there. We find the story where Jesus is in the boat. The wind comes up and it creates a great tempest. The disciples are terrified. He's asleep. He's not shook up about it at all. You know the story. We've, we've heard it in the last, the last two months, actually. And God began to speak to me about this after uh, Anthony Sargent brought the word and declared what, uh, Jesus actually did and I started thinking about that praying about that and the Lord and I started talking about that so Jesus said to him why are you so fearful O you of little faith then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm 
The word rebuked is an interesting word in the Greek. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it nor tell it to you, but here's what it means. To superimpose upon this of Florian by giving value to it. To superimpose your will, your statement, through the process of giving value to that which you're talking to. So when he rebuked the wind and the sea, just like Anthony said, he didn't say, you stupid wind. Goes back to Sunday morning's message, doesn't it? He didn't curse the wind. He didn't cry out in, in, in anger against the wind. He took the wind and reminded the wind of its value. This is not why you were created. This is not why you were made. Now, when we look at this properly and we see the last Adam, Jesus, and we start studying how he spoke to things, he spoke to creation in a regenerative manner. He spoke to creation in a restorative manner. He spoke to mankind in a reconciliation manner. He spoke to all of us to be reconciled to himself. So he tells the wind, you weren't created for this. You were created for something else, and I want to get into it in a minute. But I want you to see some more about this. He rebuked it. John 3 and 8, as the Lord was speaking to my heart, he brought this verse up. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. Now, in our day, you can watch Grant Dade, and he'll tell you where it came from. But he really don't know, but he, he studied, and so he knows. And so he'll point it to weather map, and he'll tell you where it's coming from. And invariably, it'll shift. I've gotten to where I feel like if Grant Dade says it's coming out of the southwest, I'm going to be looking at it from the north. And he's just one of the many thousands of weathermen around the country who have to endure that same kind of joke. But at any rate, the wind blows where it wants to. You can hear it. You can even see signs of it. You can't tell where it's coming from nor where it's going to go. But this is the important part. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. He's taking you and I who are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's comparing us to the wind. Because God then, by the Spirit, directs us and moves us. So if we go to Acts 2, we find out in the very beginning, and when they were all there with one accord, a sound of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house. And they all began, and, and cloven tongues as a fire began to set on each of them. And they spoke in tongues. And you go on down and you read it, and then they filtered out into the streets. And out in the streets were all of these people. And they already were proclaiming, look, these folks are speaking, they're Galileans, but they're talking our languages. They were speaking in other tongues. Tongues not familiar to them, but familiar to the people who were in the street. As God began to reveal, so what God did was took his wind and transferred it from the singular Holy Spirit 
and multiplied it with everybody that was in the room, filling all of them. Now we've gone from one manifestation of the Spirit to 120 more. They go out into the streets. Peter preaches the message. 3,000 people give their hearts to the Lord. 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people get filled with the Holy Ghost. So now we've gone one Holy Spirit, one Holy Spirit manifestation. Now we're in 120. Now all of a sudden we're at 3,120 plus. Because that only counted the men on the street. And we don't know how many women and children were involved in that manifestation of the wind. So now the wind has come into the over 3,000, could, could easily have been five, 6,000 people. So where's the wind going to go with all of those six, wherever they go? Now he takes the wind and he takes it wherever he wants to take it out of the first bunch that got filled with the Holy Ghost. Say the next day, 5,000 more show up. See how fast the wind was moving? How fast he took that wind and began to move it around and began to take it out into the world. And we read it and we read of Acts and we see all that went on in Acts. And I'm telling you what, I'm excited about what went on there. Because thousands upon thousands, then persecution came. Isn't it interesting that not heads in authority think they can quarantine the wind? Anybody heard that word over the last two years? Huh? Surely they think they can quarantine the wind. They can tell the wind where it can go and where it can't go. Now they know they can't do it in the natural because they try. And yet they're trying to do it in the supernatural. And they can't even get the natural right. And we get all upset about a persecution when in fact it's not a big deal because all it is is they're trying to quarantine the wind. They're trying to tell you you can't travel anymore because every time you travel, the wind goes with you. And somebody where you're traveling gets to meet the wind of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want you traveling around the world anymore. And we sure don't want you traveling to these big meetings where all these Christians show up because the wind's really big in those places. So now we got to jack up gas because we can't have you traveling anymore. So we're going to mess and manipulate with the whole economy and the whole infrastructure and we're going to try our best and we're going to try to defame, deface, and devalue and we're going to jack up prices and we're going to try to intimidate and anything we can. Now now you can't get your baby formula. You can't get this. You can't get that. You can't get... I even shared a post here just the other day about homemade... Well, actually, it was, it was homemade, but it was a recipe from a hospital in 1960 on how to make your baby formula. And it's an amazing thing. We grew up that way. That may be the problem, but we grew up that way. My kids grew up that way. 
Our oldest daughter's going to be in, in, in a, another two weeks. I won't tell you how far. But she grew up that way. Our grandchildren have grown up that way. And God's taken care of them all the way through. I had a real dear friend over in Illinois in the 70s, and he sold goat milk. Now, he was a multimillionaire, truly. They had him on the board of Boatman's Bank in Belleville and would send a limo once a month to pick him up to take him to the board meetings. But he would be on the street, on the highway where he lived, and he had him a stand set up selling goat milk. Now, I'm serious. People would drive from St. Louis to buy goat milk because their kids couldn't drink cow milk. And when they couldn't get to him to get the goat milk, he made sure he got the goat milk to them because it wasn't a money-making scheme for Vince, obviously. Right? But this man was a phenomenal Catholic who loved people and worked as God led him and let the wind blow to produce for the people. Tremendous guy. Now, he was 96 when I knew him in the 70s, so obviously he's not around anymore. And that dude and his wife would square dance every Saturday night downtown at the VFW. But he let the wind move him. He let the wind move him. He let the wind move him during the Depression. God told him, he told me that God's moved on my heart. And I gave every family in a so many mile radius around where they were a cow. Every family had a free cow that was bred. The cow would bring the calf. Vince would come get the calf when it was weaned take it back to his farm, raise it up. People kept the cow. Every family in that whole region during the Depression had milk for their children the whole time. God has a way to take the wind and make it viable in any situation. And he doesn't even care about all this other denominational stuff. He's not shook up about all these names we try to throw up. If anything, he throws out the names that we try to bring up. He said to the lukewarm church, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. The wind is going to blow where God wants you to blow. He doesn't want you to blow up and blow out, however. So here's what I want us to see. How and why... Did God create the wind? What was its main function? One function of the wind was to carry seed, to replenish the earth. Wind will blow through a field, and it will pick up the seed from the flowers that are fully ready to drop their seeds, and the wind will carry it. We know here that an east wind will bring seed and dust from across the river and blow it over our city and cover this whole area with it. But the wind from the southwest will come up through that area down there in the delta and it'll blow seed all the way up through here. The wind. 
seed carriers. Remember who I'm telling you the wind is now. I'm talking about natural wind. Let's look at supernatural wind. Supernatural wind makes you a carrier of the seed, the seed of life, the seed of the Holy Spirit, the seed of the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Every one of us who know Jesus and has asked the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts are bearers of the seed, and wherever he blows us, he takes seed with us so we can be distributors. Not only does it carry the seed, but the wind distributes the seed. He's birthed in us by his own will to distribute seed wherever we go, wherever we go. Another reason they don't want us to travel is because we keep spreading all this seed and they can't kill it out. It's messing with them. The wind was never made for destruction. But it was made to clear off the debris. The wind can blow in hard sometimes. And when it blows in hard, it sweeps away debris. Now, we have destruction in tornadoes and hurricanes and all those things. But you see, when you and I start considering who we are, and we begin to realize the force of God that is within us, He said it, we believe it, it is done. We're going to act on it. So that's why I'll go out on our deck now and I'll just speak to the wind and I'll tell it the very same thing. Now look, you're not created for this nonsense. You might as well settle down. You might as well calm down. The other night it tried to rear up. I went outside and there was leaves just blowing and up. Same deal. And this is not the first time we do this all the time. Pastor started doing it. I hope all of you do. But look at what we're going to read now. Here in, 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 in Romans 8. I, I didn't finish it off. But the creation was subjected to this futility, not willingly, but of him who subjected it in hope. What hope? God subjected this creation into this profitless emptiness and depravity in hope, our hope that we will, and creation's hope, that we will finally stand up and be who we're supposed to be to manifest that these are sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. All right? So creation now, because itself also, verse 21, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You and I have the perfect law of liberty in Christ Jesus. Walking in grace, walking in fullness, and if you will, walking in completion. For the word of God says in Colossians that we are complete in him. Complete. Now that word complete means perfected and matured. Now, we act like kids pretty often, but in God, he counts us as mature, complete. He works through us 
in a mature manner as we let him and allow him because he counts us as complete. In fact, all things are complete in him. In this book, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22 and whatever the last verse is, this is a complete work that describes all of everything that pertains to mankind up until we start being with him, even in eternity. It goes into eternity. It stops talking about it once we have achieved and come into the eternal bliss with Jesus Christ in eternity, with the new heavens and the new earth. But this book is a complete work. So God, before time began, wrote this book in his heart, all of it, and he completed it. God had a completed work before he started the very first light being. So God figures it all out, puts it all down in his heart, has it all ready to go. He walks all the way over here to Revelations 22 and said, this is the way this thing's going to end. I like that. That's good. Anybody hear that statement before? Genesis 1? Oh, that's good. He's over here in Revelation 22. That's good. Then he comes all the way back here, and he hollered, Light be! And from there on. Now, that's why Ephesians can say, We are predestined and foreordained according to his good pleasure. Because he already knows us. Now, we've been giving the, given the choice. We've been given free will to choose. God has made it such. But he already knows how we're going to choose because he has it already figured out over here in Revelation. However, you have a choice now. It won't change, but you have a choice. You can choose Jesus. You can come into Christ Jesus. You can be saved right now. You can have Jesus fully in your heart. Those who are watching online just like that. So he brings us in to his completed work so that that which has been made in subjection by futility. Now you and I can rebuke its disorder by speaking to it and superimposing on it the will of God, which we can read here through Jesus Christ, and superimpose the will of God upon creation by speaking to it in virtue and giving it value. So one thing that the Christian community has got to do now is we've got to start looking at creation totally different. Pastor's message Sunday talked to us about how we speak curses over things. How often have we spoken curses over things like our animals? How, how many times since Sunday morning have you found yourself having to apologize to God for speaking a cursed manner over the situation of gas or baby food or the price of bread? I heard today about the price of eggs. 
At least she didn't mention the price of eggs in China because I have no idea what the price of eggs in China are right now. Or the price of celery or the price of lettuce or the price of beef. Now somebody's got to add out bacon, $2.99 a pound. Unheard of. Won't last either. First day they put it on the shelf will be the last day. And we speak about it. How about if we start looking at this thing totally different now and start being the manifest sons of God who will speak life about every situation? So I speak life into the state of Missouri and the farmland that is in our state, and I speak blessings over our farmland that our farmers will be liberated from the hand of government and set free to start producing the way they're made to produce and walk in the blessing God intended them to walk in. I speak blessing over our dairy farmers so that they will have an abundance, and we, the church, will begin to establish ways of distribution of the very things that bring life into our natural world so we can distribute the very things that bring life and that eternally. What do you think? You think we could do that? If the word works, it works in every way. So if it works when we bless one another, then it's going to work when we bless the world we live in. But we're going to have to start blessing it in a proper manner. So let's start blessing the upcoming election. Instead of cursing the fact that they're going to try to steal it, let's start blessing the fact they won't be able to. What a concept. huh? Who would have thunk it that one day we'd end up talking this way in America? How come? Because God had to put the pressure on us before we would wake up to be what we're supposed to be. The church has been lazy brats sitting on our laurels, feeding off the wealth of our Father, enjoying the great blessing, and letting the world go to hell in a handbasket, and sometimes tying a ribbon around the handle. And God said, I'm done with it. It's time for us to wake up and rise up. It's time for us to sit up, stand up, stiffen up, toughen up, and wake up. They're telling us the third great awakening is coming. I'm telling you it's here. They're telling us that prosperous blessings are coming. I'm telling you they're here. They show up every day. We've got to open our eyes and start looking for them. Whatever it is, God's about to do, he's already doing. In fact, if you take it literally, which we really should, he's already done it. He's not about to do it. In case you didn't know, in, in Genesis, he sat down. He finished his work on the sixth day, and he sat down. You look and you tell me where he stood up again. And in fact, what happened when Jesus finished? 
Where did he go? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, right hand of majesty on high. The only time we record in here where he stood up was when Stephen was being stoned. And he stood up for that. And then he stands up at the end. And when he stands up at the end, it's going to be a phenomenal thing. Because when he stands up to come and get us, because he has to stand up. When, when the father says, go get my children, he's going to stand up. Now, I want you to understand something. His skirt is so full of anointing oil, as he stands, it will pour out. And see, we keep thinking 24-hour days. God doesn't think in our time frame. In fact, he told us that recently, prophetically. We've got to get out of thinking 24-hour days. Do you know that Paul, when he was knocked down on the road to wherever it was he was on the road to, Damascus, he was out for a while. And you may not realize it, but if you look at the issue of uh, in God, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. One hour unconscious and being in the presence of the Father or being in the presence of Jesus would amount to about 42 years in heaven. time. So when Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven where I was taught of the Lord all of these things, he was out for an hour, blind for three days, but he was with God or with Jesus, and Jesus was teaching him, and that hour's time that he was unconscious laying on the ground was 40-something years in heaven while Jesus was teaching, downloading into him. Now, old pastor, you know, let me tell you something. You probably never heard the name Finus Dake. Finus Dake was a phenomenal minister. Finus was not saved. When he got saved, God laid him out on the floor. And he laid out, you know how many hours, I forget now, it wasn't very many hours, but he laid on the floor in the spirit. He couldn't read when he laid down. When he stood up, he knew the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and could, could read it off, quote it to you, not read it from the book, but quote every word of it. He later went on, and now we have, I have a date Bible in my, in my collection. And in that time frame, he was laid out. Not only did God download the entire Bible into him, he also unloaded, uh, unloaded lots of commentary about what it's all about. So he's doing it. It wasn't just with Paul. He's done it with a lot of people. Wigglesworth never could read. His wife had to read to him. But God downloaded into him. Why don't we open our hearts and say, download. Download. I'm ready for a download. I want a download. I'm telling you what, I like downloads. The only thing that gets to me is I told Pastor this Monday. He does it at 4 a.m. Remember, he doesn't work on our clock. And I've talked to him about it. And he ignores me. He still does it. I get up at 4 o'clock most every morning, and I think I'm going to get up. I'm going to take a pill. I'm going to do like most seniors do. You know what we do. We get up. We go to a certain room. We finish what we're doing in the room. We get us a drink of water, and we come back and think we're going to go to sleep. 
I go get back in the bed, and he starts talking. I said, can't you see I'm tired? I don't care. And he just starts downloading. It's tremendous. It's a pain when you consider, I've got to get up. Then he said, well, why do you got to get up? Well, I don't know. You put me in retirement, so I guess I don't have to. Then Sherry will get up. I mean, go figure. Well, what am I saying? We are in him, and his wind is in us, so he's going to do what he wants to do. So if he wants to blow me out of bed at 4 in the morning, and then for the rest of the morning just keep downloading, and, and it's really fun. It really is. I make jokes, and I have fun with it, but it is awesome to have God put things in. When he says to me, Val, I've already done it all. Isn't it time then we speak to the created being? Who is, according to this, already healed? Instead of saying, oh, God, please heal. I'm guilty. But I'm not going to be anymore. I've repented. But isn't it time we start speaking to the created being? You're whole. You're whole. Your tongue is loosed. Just like Jesus talked to the woman that was bent over. And he said, woman, you're loosed from that infirmity. In essence, I didn't create you that way. I didn't make you that way. So that thing that has got you that way, I'm going to superimpose my will on that thing that has you bent over, and I'm going to speak to you virtuous victory, and I'm going to talk to you that you are valuable, and I don't like it that you're bent over. So just straighten up. How about it? Can we do that? I mean, can we? See, because when he rebuked the, the disciples in the boat, he said, you have little faith. All he's doing is saying, don't you know what's going on? Well, their answer is no. But we, now we can. There was a day, the scripture says, that God winked at such ignorance, but now calls us all to repentance. We're in that day to come to a repentance. What does that mean? To change direction. Pastor brought it masterfully Sunday. Change how we speak. Speak blessing and not cursing. Speak victory and not defeat. Speak dynamic intercession and not fearful recoiling in the hiding. Come out from among them, the Bible says, and be separate. The kingdom of heaven allows for forcefulness and forceful people lay hold of it. Another translation says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Suffers means he allows for you to be violent with this thing in the jealousy of your heart for Jesus. Not one another, jealousy for Jesus, more and more of him. So we will violently or forcefully lay hold of everything that is the kingdom. So in the kingdom, he says, you are kings and priests. Therefore, you speak as such, and you begin to declare. So if I'm going to speak to creation, I'm going to have to know how was it made, what was it made for, what was its purpose. 
So I start speaking order back into the original purposes of the creation, and then creation can start rejoicing because suddenly somebody's released them from the bondage, and you and I haven't known it, but we, when we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, we became agents of change in this world to bring about the restoration of creation and release this world out of the bondage that it has been subjected to for thousands of years and start declaring now. Rise up. So the guy that runs the orchard out an arborist or whatever they're called, He's going to walk out into his orchard in the weeks ahead and start speaking to every blossom to come alive fully. Start, start speaking to every peach. Bugs, you get out of there. Every apple. Bugs, you get out of there. We're going to have a great crop. The government wants to hinder and limit, but they're going to let it flow. The government wants uh, dairy farmers to pour their milk on it. They're going to stop and say, no, nope, not anymore. We're done with that. We're going to make sure we make our milk available, and we're going to do it with joy. We start speaking to the cows. Listen, we, we've got a fellow we know named Lonnie Riley. God sent him, Lynch, is that the name of the town? God sent him over to Lynch, Kentucky. He was a very successful Baptist pastor in South Haven, Mississippi, pastoring thousands of people. They had cared for him and loved him and his family. They had a beautiful lake house, all of the amenities that go with it. And God said, I want you to go live in a duplex and a run-down, defeated community that has been cursed. And I want you to bring life. Now, Lynch, Kentucky, the, the stream running through town was polluted. There hadn't been fish in it forever. No wildlife, they had all gone away. Deer, bear, everything. Everything was desolate. Now, they're having people come in and have guided fishing trips on the river because the trout are flourishing. They're having bear everywhere. They're having deer flourish. The crops are flourishing all around them. There's joy all over the town. The town has been built up. And you only have to cross a mountain into a place called Graves County, Kentucky, which was the number one murder capital in the United States before transformation started. Two preachers, a, a Pentecostal and a Baptist, decided we've had enough of this. And the only reason they decided it is because some lovely ladies in town got fed up with waiting on the preachers and started praying themselves for God to bless the preachers to get their act together. And so they started praying, and it transformed. In fact, it transformed it so much. Mayor went to jail. Sheriff went to jail. DA went to jail. I don't know, all the politicians, all the politicians went to jail. The drug trafficking stopped. The murder stopped. Prosperity came. A Christian lady got to be mayor. The, the schools were renewed and restored and refurbished and reblessed. Why? Because we started speaking life. My friends in Hornwall, Tennessee, they started speaking life into that community because it was the number one drug capital in Tennessee. And now it's changing. 
Now they have a whole ministry that's a community-wide ministry called Hope for Hole in Wall. The number one industry in Hole in Wall, Tennessee, was rehab. Yeah. Now, all of your, what are these bathtubs that they have in the house that you shut the door and they fill them up? Yeah, they're all made there. The company that makes them started making campers, all molded plastic campers. It's a tremendous, and, and the owners of that factory support the work of the ministry in the community in phenomenal ways. Then they've got another industry that just came up and it started flourishing. I'm telling you, it's happening all over the world. And it's simply because the body of Christ, the sons of God, are waking up and saying, let's get with it. Will you join with me and pastor here? We're ready. Let's get with it. Now, some of you, I hope I'm all right with this, Pastor. Some of you keep saying, well, you want discipleship classes. We'll start one. Well, but how? Tell Chad you're going to need a room for such and such a night or such and such a day, and you're going to teach discipleship. Is that the right order telling you? And start working it out. Stop waiting on this man to establish everything that God's telling you to establish. You can go to him and say, I'd like to do that, and he's going to say, well, all right, get with it. And let's start making the change. Let's start speaking to the people. Let's start loving the people better than we ever have. We always have loved people. Really, we have. There's a lot of junk going around about us not being a loving church, and it's lies. Because I'll love you enough to tell you that if you're living in sin, God's got a better way. And he'll deliver you out of it. And he'll save your life. That's what love is. Love isn't telling you, oh, it don't matter what you do, you're okay. Because I might not be standing beside you as we burn, but I'll be there just as surely if I do that. Because I'll give an account for every word I've said to you and to the thousands over the years that God has put me in touch with. And I love you. I know this man loves you. And it's time for us to move in greater measure and take our next step.